Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. James Manning from Media Week, and I'm joined by Andrew Mercado, our weekly contributor. Hi, Andrew. Hi, James. Good to be back with you again. Look, we're in the, um, we're all getting through the year pretty quickly in the March, uh, and we're in a, a period of time where TV is dominated again by Married at First Sight. Yeah. Now, I don't think either of us are regular watchers, are we? So it's going to be a pretty much a maths-free zone. I do switch over, though. Like, I always watch 7.30 report, and then at 8 o'clock I start spinning the dial, so to speak. So I always do go straight to Married at First Sight and then, you know, try and have a little bit of look at Survivor and MKR and all that type of thing. But, yeah, I, I, I can't be one of those people that has to watch it from start to finish every day. I couldn't leave it with myself. Well, I don't have the time. <laughs> I just thought I think my time's more important. It's probably not. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it is. I watched the show actually on Monday night. Yep. Um, because I was allowed to. And it was, it was very good. Now, and was this the funny. wedding episode where Elizabeth from last year came back? Correct. Yeah, right. it was. Yeah. But it was a good little episode. And then we, we write about it in Media Week and they were, I, I used a quote from last night's and it was really funny. Like this girl said to him, I said that um, her husband thought he was a glass of Moe, which is really a cup of warm piss or something, <laughs> you know. There is some really funny stuff in there. But anyway, so it, apart from that, we, we're not chatting about maths. Something at the top I wanted to mention was the announcement today about the launch of BritBox. Yeah, now look, t- bring me up to date on this. This So is... it's a streaming service offering like the best of British, if you like. Yep. Um, it's a joint venture by the BBC and ITV. They launched it first, not in England, but in the USA. And that was a bit over two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. And it's been going reasonably well. They just announced today also that they've got over one million subscribers in the US. You know, that's certainly not Netflix levels, but, you know, they think it's good and it's a, um, I think they might have said it's actually profitable for them too. So it's, you know, it's a it's a scaled down service. It's not a Netflix. They, they've only, and then also today they announced their first commission, which is going, they're bringing back Spitting Image. Wow. The Puppets. Now, this is so, big. Yeah. 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 So that's that's going to be a pretty big deal for a lot of people. I mean, they haven't confirmed any of the shows, but they're in their promotion of launching here, they're using images from things like uh, Call the Midwife, yep. Death in Paradise, Black Adder, Poldark, yep. uh, Abfab, so uh, Vera. So classic English stuff. There's some new stuff. There's some old stuff. But there'll be the whole sort of box sets. I mean, I, there's another show called Endeavour. When I'm just getting my head around this, that it's actually probably should be on my radar. Yeah. Well, it's up. Endeavours to... on the ABC on a Friday night. Okay, so it takes in the sixties. Yeah, take, takes me a little while to get on board, right? The, yeah. They're showing season seven, I think, or something like that. But it look, it looks like my cup of tea. But I looked up on iView; they don't have the old seasons there. Right. And this new season is only going to be there for one month. Huh. So even though a lot of um, streaming platforms are trying to get you know, a longer window of rights. It looks like a lot of this uh, BBC stuff, this or ITV English dramas, might have shorter stays on the free um, 
platforms like iView or maybe 7 Plus, things like that, and then they will transition to BritBox. And I wonder if there's a few, I wonder, uh, it's a shame that Channel 4 isn't part of that deal as well because, you know, there's a new drama starting on BBC First next week, which is a Channel 4 drama, four-part series called Dead Water Fell starring Dave and Tennant. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's right, because Channel 4 makes some drama, but they're not up there at ITV or and BBC levels. But, I mean, if you're going to call the, the show BritBox, you want as many uh, shows in there. And also, if there's going to be a streaming service called BritBox, where are the gaps for some shows that aren't screening here in Australia on BBC First, UK TV or the ABC? There's a handful of shows. And I'll tell you what, if BritBox can take off in America, think of how it can take off here in Australia. We're much more attuned to British TV and we have a ton of British expats and a ton ton of British backpackers. For example, that might want to watch this morning with... uh, uh, Philip and Holly, Holly and Philip. Okay, Holly yes. Willoughby and Philip Schofield, who just came out as gay. That's a yep. hugely popular morning show. There, there's no reason to screen that on TV here in Australia. But I tell you what, if you've got a service called BritBox that's screening shows that are already on other platforms, please bring us some original British shows there because that's what that's what makes you sign up to a service. You don't sign up to watch something you can already see on another server. You go there because they've got something that nobody else has. Yeah. And then I think it's going to be important, as I mentioned, for the for the whole catalogue of shows you miss first time around, like yeah. I mentioned Endeavour, you know. Yep. For dweebs who don't get on at all <laughs> on like myself. Um, look, there's no mention of a date yet, just says later in 2020. Right. No mention of a price. It's US $7 in the States. Okay. So I'm guessing about 10 bucks here maybe. And while we're on that 10 bucks, I remember we talked about Stan in our last podcast and I was mumbling about, oh, yeah, was it 5 bucks when it launched? No, it wasn't. It was actually 10 Right. So I had some correspondence from the CEO. So he said, look, mate, it was, it was $10 and actually it still is $10. So the basic uh, deal there is ten dollars, so which isn't bad. I mean, you've they launched at ten bucks, and if you still want the basic, uh, you know, the the bottom of the line um, offer, it's only ten dollars. Someone uh, tweeted a picture of Stan. Uh, I think this morning, I think Cam Williams tweeted it, and it was the the front page of the Stan homepage, and they had Seinfeld there, and the caption for Seinfeld was. Um, Elaine under the toilet stall saying, I can't spare a square. And I thought that was great <laughs> that Stan were right onto this ridiculous toilet paper stockpile of 2020 and make their website reflect what's going on and what people are talking about and refer to a classic episode of Seinfeld. Very good marketing from Stan there. Yeah, yeah, very clever, very clever. We won't um, we won't digress and start talking about our supplies of toilet paper. <laughs> the... Um, um, so now you uh, you wanted to mention a Mardi Gras because you were it's only a couple of days ago now it already seems a long time ago it was only this week still yeah you yeah. went on um, on Saturday yeah I host uh, the parade after the telecast telecast area so they turn the corner at Taylor Square and then they they've come up Oxford Street they start travelling down Flinders Street and people pay to seat in uh, bleachers there okay. and so it's always great you know because. I always love it because sometimes you recognise somebody 
famous in the parade, trying to be, you know, not trying to say this is all about me, but they're just having a great time. And so, for example, you know, all these floats are going past and you suddenly go, oh, now, right now we're at Unions in New South Wales, and then you go, well, hang on, I know that person. I've seen that person on Twitter. That's Sally McManus. <laughs> and I've got this incredible microphone. You go, Sally McManus, come over here for a chat, you know. And, and then there was this trans float going past of uh, trans kids and all of that, and suddenly I went, Georgia Stone from Neighbours, come <laughs> over here and have a chat. You know, so I love those moments because a lot of the times uh, some of those celebs are on floats and they can't get off the float to come over to you at the railing and chat, you know. So a big shout-out to the ABC float that went past the first time they've ever done one and we need to get a message out there. You know, they didn't use any taxpayer money to do that float. The staff did fundraising to get themselves a float into Mardi Gras and they were all the Annabelle Crabb was on it, Fran Bailey, Patricia Carvalis and Nate Byrne, uh, ABC Breakfast weatherman who copped some shocking homophobic abuse uh, on social media for doing it. But, look, it was great to see and it was a great parade. I haven't seen much of the telecast. It's on my IQ. I haven't watched it all. Um, and then, of course, there was that, uh, uh, you know, but anyway, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment was, about it. Now, it was on SBS, is it correct? It's the first time they've ever had it live? It's the first time, time SBS delayed. have done it live, yeah. Right, okay. And, you know, there was an incident there with some protesters and it held up the parade and uh, the hosts of the show didn't seem to know what was going on and that, that caused a little bit of mass confusion. It does in a way. I know that people around the country who aren't in Sydney, they do want to watch it live so they can have a Mardi Gras party on the Saturday night and have it on in the background. I'm never actually convinced that it makes for the best TV telecast, though. To me, I always think because there's gaps in the parade and all of that, it's better to edit it down and that snappy two-hour format on a Sunday night. But then people complain that they've missed out on seeing their float. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, the show um, did pretty good business for SBS on a Saturday night. It got They split the ratings into part one, part two. Yep. Both parts got into the top ten. Yep. It gave SBS a, a share over 10%, which is their best in a few years, I think, Definitely the best in over 12 months. Um, audiences were okay for for Saturday night. It was over 200,000 uh, Metro, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, so it, it did very well for them. Yeah, no, look, I'm sure it's gone really well. Yeah. Um, another talking point this past week for it has been uh, Pooch Perfect. Yeah. Now, you were pretty scathing about oh, this fuck. in your Media Week column. I think we can say you called it sort of dog shit. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. I said it was dumb as dog shit. I didn't yeah. call it dog shit, but okay. I said it was. that's about, you know, all the yeah. jokes were about dogs' bums and, oh, you know, yeah. sniff, let's sniff each other's bums. That's just, just kind of... So I don't know what what they're going to... how it's going to go for episode two. So Will the I, audience come back? I was expecting the worst because of that, okay, what you good. said. So my expectations were pretty low. So therefore, it was actually better than I thought it would be. Still not my cup of tea. And, no. You know, but it, for a Thursday night, it did 624,000, which is pretty good for a Thursday night. Look at the competition, though. Oh, yeah. RBT and no Ambulance. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, really, that cancels each other out. A car, you a car crash and an overdose. Breathalyzers or paramedics, <laughs> or do you want to watch... Uh, dogs and Rebel Wilson. I, I know what I'd do. I'd probably go, oh, let's check out this Pooch Perfect. It's probably rubbish, but, hey, it's not as dark as the other content. 
Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. And I still say that show's going to end up on Netflix because a lot of Seven stuff seems to be going there at the moment. Um, and that's why Rebel Wilson's attached to it. And I'm sure she's got uh, some of the back end of that. And that is just going to go onto Netflix and be a program that may well get renewed, not on the strength of its Australian ratings, but on the strength of how much it gets downloaded around the world. That's what I believe. Another talking point last week was um, commercial broadcasters threatening to stop making children's TV. Yeah. You know, because they've been lobbying for a while that there shouldn't be, they should drop the enforced quota where they have to make X number of hours of um, children's television because they say, look, you know, there's A, it hasn't got an audience and B, there's no quotas on any of our competitors, the the big online streaming platforms. Yeah. I'm torn on this one. I think, look, I think there should be some sort of commitment mm, to the in- industry from um, the commercial sector. But at the same time, it's totally unfair that other people can start up a, a video business here and not have any uh, enforceable quotas, whether it be Australian content, you know, drama, kids' TV. So I'm just not quite sure how you remedy that. I agree. But, you know, what TV networks in Australia forget is that that when they were given their original licences at the start of TV, they made commitments to provide a certain amount of things. And one of those is children's programming. And I know they can say, well, it doesn't rate anymore and all of that, but have a look at where they're screening it. If you're going to screen something at 7am on a Sunday morning and let it wither and die there, of course it's not going to have a big audience. Look at Bluey on ABC, the hottest mm. kids show possibly in the world right now. If you if you do spend some time and have some proper commitment there, you can do something amazing for Australian children, but it's not their priority. They don't care about that. They just care about their 7.30 reality franchises and they want to lose a few of these rules along the line and networks have been trying to do that forever trying to change Australian drama content laws and, you know, but it's very interesting that James Warburton throws down the gauntlet and says, well, we've got some stuff in the can for 2020 and 2021, but from 2022 we refuse to meet our legal commitments to kids' TV. What happens next? Watch this space. Well, something's got to give, I guess. You know, they've um, – I'm not sure what they'd rather um, as a trade-off whether they'd like just to be free of that commitment or they'd like quotas to be put on the streaming platforms. Yeah. I think probably the former, they'd like to be free of their <laughs> Of com- course they would. Their commitment because um, kids' quotas on the streaming platforms are not going to really help uh, 7, 9 or 10. No. A lot, is it? No. No. Um, you mentioned someone from Neighbours a minute ago. Now, they're into their 35th. Have they started the 35th anniversary year yet? No, I think it starts March 16 and they'll do a week of double episodes. Now, I think in the UK this will air at like 5.30 in the afternoon, what they call Neighbours Up Late, 10pm episodes that are going to have a much stronger rating. Uh, My understanding is that there's going to be a bit of violence there. They're 35th anniversary, so they're promising three deaths and 
five weddings. Mm. And Jodie Anasta has already said that her character's demise is next level brutal. Mm. And I do see on some of the promos uh, Rob Mills as the bad guy running around with a bow and arrow. So, you know. But what Neighbours is going to have a massive week and they're slowly building up to that now and they're bringing back a lot of former characters, bringing them into the show, setting this scene for what is going to be a a giant week. And so it's already started now. In fact, it started last week. You had Bruce Samazan back playing Mark Gottlieb and making goo-goo eyes at Lucy Robinson, played by Melissa Bell. And so they're putting everything into place for their 35th anniversary. It's very exciting. How did Bruce go? Bruce is great, you know. Bruce comes in there and sits in the in Harold's cafe and says, oh, I used to run this joint and nobody knew who he was. And so, you know, it's what – but what's really good about Neighbours, and I'll, I'm going to speak about this in length when I write about it for Media Week on its anniversary, is that they don't just bring back characters from the past for the hell of it. They bring back a character from the past because there is a really great valid reason – as to how that character can relate to a story or character in the show today. It's really, really well thought out and planned. Can I give you a little trivia fact? Now, how did Bruce Samazan go? Was he, was he okay? Yeah, yeah. He was good? Yeah, he was great. Trivia fact, I co-managed <gasps> Bruce Samazan for a while and I was actually um, one of his, me and another guy in partnership and... Um, it was when he won his he won a silver logie, I think, for E Street. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I can remember ringing him that night to congratulate him. Fantastic. We weren't at the actual event, but um, yeah, he, he was a massive star back in the day. He was a massive star, mm. and he did all of them, didn't he? He went from uh, E Street to Neighbours. And I'm pretty sure he was in Home and Away there for a while. Yeah. Um, And then he's been up in Queensland selling real estate and uh, all of that. But he's back and uh, he looks like he's having a great time. Yeah. We actually made a video like it was supposed to be like a day in the life of Bruce Samazan. It was uh, pretty funny. He had a lot of his colleagues in from the show and and, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, they were fun times. Uh, Now, listen, so what else has been catching? I wanted to mention... um, uh, Gold Digger. Yes. Which I, I was away and I missed the launch of this and it, I was just looking through the TV guide and I said, whoa, this is seven show in Gold Digger, which was one of BBC One's sort of big ticket shows, I think, of last year. It was on- BBC One or ITV? I, no, I think it was BBC. Was it BBC? Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. it was on BBC One. Yeah, I, I did check that. Right. I'll do it again. But, um, um, so starring Julia Ormond, yeah. who was recently in Australia a couple of years back to be in Ladies in Black- Bruce Beresford's oh, yes. movie about yes. uh, the ladies in the shops in the 1950s um, and she played this wonderful, you know, woman called Magda that worked in the department store and it's great because she is European, mm. you know, and she's also played the mother of the French wife in Mad Men. So you see her in many roles and she has that European accent. And then to see her in Gold Digger where she was speaking in an English accent, it was like, whoa, oh, Really? And a couple of times you hear it, she just kind of dips back into that European on a couple of things that, that she said. But, yeah, I've watched the first four episodes of it. It's six to go and I'm waiting to see how it ends. There's six in total. There's six in total yeah. and I'm pretty sure I previewed them way before it yeah. started. And I really liked it. You know, it is BBC One too. Yeah, right, okay. Um, it's it's a it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a bit over the top, and yeah. it's a bit, it seems obvious, it's a bit right? Soapy almost in yeah. places, but it's quite fun, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's um, 
It's really good to watch. I really enjoyed that. So it's it's still on seven plus as well. Yeah. I had to I had to search though to find it. It didn't Did come you? didn't come up on any of the menus. So I had to actually type in Gold Digger and then there it was. There's a bit of word of mouth about it too, because a few people have sort of sent me messages on Facebook and gone, Hey, you're watching this show, I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mainly because of Julia Ormond, yes. I think she's she's so good in that role. Isn't and of she? course she's got the younger boyfriend and every all her kids are freaking out about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great scene at the end of the first or start of the second episode, whatever, when they have that dinner to introduce the family. Yeah. That's it's really well done. And the family's played very, very well nicely as well. Um what other we should mention stateless. Yes. With I think last podcast we might have said it was coming. It was coming. You hadn't but, seen it then. No. Maybe I hadn't even seen it then, but right. I watched three like bang 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 and just went, wow. Mm. It's pretty good. That cast was <sighs> What I love is that one of the best casts ever for an Aussie drama. Well, what I love about that is how well that cast plays overseas. Here is a very distinctly Australian story, but if you see Kate Blanchett, Dominic West, Jai Courtney, Yvonne Strahowski, you would go, "What's this?" You know, <laughs> that cast makes you want to watch, and so it it has been sold to Netflix, and it is going to go around the world, and. Uh, It'll be very interesting because, I mean, let's face it, it does, I don't think, and I haven't watched all the episodes, but it's not presenting the greatest picture of Australia in terms of those detention centres for illegal refugees. It's an important subject. It's something we should be dramatising and something we should be talking about more. I haven't seen how it ends yet, but, yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's something that I think other people will relate to in the world. And But there's more than that going on. You know, there's mental health and there's the, the weird religious cult couple and all of that. So it's touching on so many things. It's so ambitious. I love it. It reminds you what a versatile actress Kate Blanchett is too, you know. She yeah. Sort of take on any role, can't you? Well, how many people thought when this first started that she was going to play the role of that, you know, person that the suffering mental illness that ends up in the uh, detention centre? Everyone assumed that the character it was going to be based on, that that would be Kate's role. It's not at all. She's mm. given that role to Yvonne Strahowski and that is an amazing performance of her. She's it's good, incredible isn't she? in it. She's so good. Wow. Well, sort of, yeah. Very good. So uh, one to watch out for. Um, any other dramas on your list? Um, well, yeah, Dead Water Fell. We'll just go back to that. I mentioned it briefly. It's a four-part series starting on BBC First next week and it's made by Channel 4 in the UK. It's set in a Scottish small village. It stars David Tennant, so people will go, oh, it's another broad church. No, it's <laughs> not. And what's interesting, James, is, you know, recently Craig Matheson was writing in The Age and City Morning Herald about how six episodes is becoming the new norm now for TV series. And in particular, he talked about those three ABC series, Mystery Road, Total Control, Stateless, all short and sharp at six episodes and now travelling the world everywhere. And you would have imagined that at some point Channel 4 might have thought, well, here we've got this show with David, David Tennant. Let's stretch it out to six and do what everyone mm. else is doing. And they, they haven't done that. They've kept it at four and more power to them. There's nothing worse than when you see a series that's got a great opening concept but they just drag it out because they're trying to reach a certain minimum. If you've only got enough story for four episodes, make it four episodes long. And I've watched the first one and a half of Deadwater Fell and it's good. It's really good. So BBC first. 
Another, I'm not sure if we mentioned this last time or not, but Dublin Murders is getting yes. some good buzz too on Absolutely. Um, SBS. SBS Wednesday nights. Yes. I think they're up to three or four as we speak, but that'll that'll be all in on demand. So. Yeah, and they've got about eight total episodes there okay. for Series 1, and we're waiting to hear whether or not there's going to be a Series 2. Right. Okay, yeah, so that's really good. Um, Breeders on yeah. Fox 1. Now, I read uh, Martin Freeman got in a bit of trouble recently when he was promoting this. He revealed that he'd sort of smacked his children oh. uh, as a father, something he wasn't proud of, and it created a fair bit of sort of chat in the UK. But um, but what's the show like? What happens? Well, is it a drama? Is it a comedy? It's it's a comedy, it's but it's 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 about uh, one of the uh, premises I saw for the show is it's that fine line between loving your child and wanting to kill them. And Martin Freeman plays the dad and uh, Daisy Haggard plays the mother. Look, I watched three episodes. They're only half an hour long. And I watched three episodes trying to figure out what the tone of this show is. And, you know, I'm not a parent. Um, And I'm sure that if you're a parent, you might watch the show and giggle and go, he's nailed it. I can't comment on that because I'm not a parent. But I found it borderline disturbing really? because we had Martin Freeman as the father just losing his shit and screaming four-letter word abuse at his kids. But is that a comedy? Was it, was it a black No, comedy? it's playing like a black comedy. Right. But then there's this, in the next, you know, there's an episode where he finally gets his little uh, daughter to sleep and uh, outside on the street, these two drunk guys start having a fight. And Martin Freeman goes down and opens up the front door and yells out to them, if you guys don't shut up, I will fucking kill you. I will kill you. I will kill you. And you're just like, whoa, whoa, this man has anger issues. Like, seriously. And then someone calls docs on him. And it's like, yes, <laughs> someone needs to call docs on him. So I'm not quite sure what this sitcom is trying to to say, yeah. yes, parents get pushed to limits, but whoa, do something about your anger issues, man. Like I'm, I'm really quite confused by the show and, and, and a little bit disturbed by whether or not we're meant to laugh at this or think this guy needs help. I don't well, know. It's not a good segue, but curb your enthusiasm, the new season. Have you watched any of no, that? No. Is there but, a new season airing now? Yeah, there is. Why is there no publicity <laughs> about it then? How do I not know this? <laughs> but it's some of it's almost disturbing, some of the, the stuff that, um, that happens. It's That's, funny. I was flicking the other night on the Comedy Channel and I saw it on and I was watching an episode trying to figure out if I'd seen it or I hadn't seen it and I knew they'd made new episodes. I just figured I would have seen some press about it somewhere. Right, I'm going to have to search that down on the weekend. I yeah. love that show. Oh, it's great. It's a very good season but some of the stuff because it's been going a long time. Yes. And they haven't really buckled to, you know. Political correctness. Yes. So, yeah. so some of the stuff that was okay maybe in season one, you look at it and go, mm, mm. I'm not sure about that now. But it's sort of, I like that in a way, you know, that yeah. they just, okay, no, this is what we've always done. We're still going to do that. So. But, you know, you saw Limo on Q&A this week mm. uh, and the question was asked of him about political correctness in, in comedy and, and he said something that I thought was very clever, which was, you know, well, smart comedians move with the times. Yeah, we're not going to crack some of those jokes from the 80s where we made fun of, you know, mm. 
you know, I, you know, you, you've got to move with the times. And and I don't believe that political correctness is killing comedy. I've just told you about a show that I think goes too far. Um, but you know, it's it's about bringing people in on the joke. And you know, Larry David's character in Curb Your Enthusiasm, it started how many years ago. I mean, that character hasn't changed any. So that's why they can still get away with it because that's what they established in the show in season one. Larry David doesn't give a rat's ass about what anybody <laughs> else thinks of him, does he? No, so not You can't at all. change the premise of the show. So then you still have a little bit of permission to push it as far as you want. Yes, yeah. No, so this is season 10, I think. Wow. Which is uh, screening here now. Oh, I'm so glad you told me that. That's my yeah. weekend sorted. Started in um, 2000. So yes. That's 20 years ago. Yeah. So that's not <laughs> bad. Wow. Um, you mentioned Q and A. Yep. Hamish McDonald. I think there's only been two so far, hasn't there? Think, the new, mm, did the bushfires. Yep. They did China, and they also did Trust. Oh, China. And trust trust three, in institutions. Three He's done weeks. three apps. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Such a good show. Fantastic. He's done such a good job stepping into Tony Jones' shoes. Yeah, he, he really has, and he's and he's kind of made it all a little bit more personal. He goes out into the the audience. They've taken away the desk. They're sitting in open chairs. It's it's it, it feels like it's a little bit more welcoming. Not that mm. it wasn't before, no. but I kind of I'm not quite sure about the red dot he stands in. Sometimes kind of walks to this red dot and stands there, and then he goes into the audience. And I think shit, don't trip on that red dot. <laughs> Just looks like a you know a safety hassle to me, but um, yeah. Look, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really loving what Hamish McDonald is bringing to Q and A. It's uh, it it feels to me like a very safe space now for people to go and and open up and tell some really personal details. And uh, yeah, I've, the three episodes I've seen have been fantastic. And his arrival at the same time as uh, David Spears just seems to have really given that whole. Current affairs offering a bit of a refresh. I think it? so. You know, yeah, so it's just um, it's just a, a really good watch now. Well, Monday nights on the ABC. I mean, it's just mm. so strong, isn't it? You just start with Australian story. You go into Four Corners Media Watch Q and A. I mean, boom, your night's just sorted. Yeah, Media Watch has been doing record ratings. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. A um, couple of local things are both both on ten or one's sort of shared. Uh, Gogglebox shared between. Um, Lifestyle and Ten, of course. Yep. couple of or three new um, home critics, if you like. Yeah. Um, Milo and Nick, is it? Yeah, they're the surfers. Okay. Cade and Chantel. Yes, two two new girls. And then the Elias family. Okay. Now, without, I haven't seen that yet, but I think I would like Cade and Chanel. Yeah, they're pre- they're pretty they lively. <laughs> yeah, that that they to me actually have settled the best into the role. Okay. They just they just seem to be acting completely natural. I think with uh, Nick and Milo, the surfers. I think Milo's really into it. I think Nick's a little bit like straight man. Whoa, kind of you know, <laughs> how am I being viewed here? He's he's holding back a little bit. He's just not sure. Um, whereas the Elias family seem a little bit too excited and animated. And I just think it's, you know, they're, they're going to have to settle into a comfort zone there. It, it takes a while for some people to get used to that kind of what is probably a little bit of a fake filming environment to start with. I'm looking forward to Milo and Nick, though. I'm really looking forward to the, the that them replacing 
Adam and Simon who've gone off to Fox Footy to do their own TV show. I like, you know, Aussie straight men talking about TV and being <laughs> l- laconic about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still loving it. Yeah. I got to have a brief chat to Adam and Simon of the um, Fox Footy launch. They're yeah. Talking about their new show, it's... It's still, I'm getting the sense from them, it's still a bit of a work in progress. They hadn't filmed any episodes yet, so they were about to start that. But it's it's talking to footballers about non-football things, okay. if you like. So it's sort of sport, but what people do outside of sport, like people on their footy trips and things like that. So it yep. does sound very blokey, but... Um, so we'll, we'll see what they get up with. The, uh, the other... Um, show the other new show coming on Fox Footy, which is away from the, the sport a little bit, is the narrow world of sports with the Professor and Barney. Um, if you might have seen the Professor's been on Fox League for a few years on a late night Friday show, um, which was sort of uh, again it was sort of a it was a comedy show if you like, but they're very ambitious with this year with the narrow world of sports, which is really a look at when things go wrong in sport. <laughs> right. Um, but they're going to do apparently both an NRL and an AFL edition on the same night. Wow. So the NRL finishes usually first, so they'll do that show. Then when the AFL finishes, they'll do in another show. Wow, okay. For, for the AFL. So, again, that's still a work in progress. It's a few weeks away from launching, but they're two of the... Um, Look, I don't watch a lot of uh, the footy channels, <laughs> as you can imagine. But I tell you what, when that um, firefight concert was on, and Foxtel's coverage had at the for the last part of it, Jason Dundas and this brunette girl Hannah, somebody Hannah, right? She was fantastic, and I actually Googled, and she came from Fox Footy, Hannah Collier or something. But she she called that concert with Jason Dundas, and she interviewed a few of the people, and I just thought she was a superstar. It wasn't Hannah Hollis. That's it, Hannah Fox, Hollis. She's from Fox League, I Fox think. Fox League. Yes. She's great talent, and she stepped over into that music environment like she'd been working for Channel V her whole life. Well yeah. done, Hannah. Yeah, it's good on Fox Sports. I think they've uh, felt she's been a bit of a star for a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't see that bit, but um, I'm glad um, you thought she was good. Yeah, she was really good. Yeah. Um, Rick Stein's Secret France oh, yeah. came across this week. It's Well, this was in Gogglebox this week. Was it? Yeah, everyone oh. was, was watching him. Uh, must have been. They must have seen the first episode of it. Were they impressed? Or? Uh, yeah, they were. The, the boys were a bit like, when does he start <laughs> cooking? You know, they weren't into that kind of travelogue part of it. Okay. I like the travelogue more than the cooking, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, right. And, it, and the cooking is a bit weird too. It's like very, very old school. Yeah. So it's very French. Lots of creamy sort of foods with sauces and rich and and it's I don't know but so that it didn't interest me that much the cooking but um, I do like Rick Stein he's been to France at least I think two I did a France he went round France and the canals yep. once which was a great series and this one he goes sort of like France around the edges if you like from the English Channel and then he goes sort of around the European edges of Germany, Switzerland. So in those provinces that aren't high on the tourist trail, I guess. So yeah, it, right. It looks like it's going to be really interesting. I really enjoyed that. And um, what channel is this on? It's Lifestyle. Okay. But it's I just came across it on like Foxtel On Demand. Right. 
is because I've told you before, one of my complaints with the IQ4, you can't search by channel. Right. So as we, I think we mentioned this last time. Yeah. And I actually, so yeah, so it's Rick Stein's and, and he's given it the whole thing. So there's a book, of course, if you want to go along, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a really interesting and it's, and it's good because it takes you along the places a lot of the other travel shows don't normally go to. Yeah. But I found that we also talked about HD on IQ yeah, 4. Yeah, you, you couldn't find your uh, free-to-air no, in I've HD. had an up. Everybody kept telling me, yeah, you can, you can. You, you're just not <laughs> looking in the right place, you idiot. And? Well, you, you can, but you need to have an aerial. Oh, is that what it is? So you've got to put an aerial on your roof. Right. Feed that into the IQ4 box and then the HD channels will pop right. up. Right, and that's what I do. But it seems very old school, doesn't it? That, <laughs> huh? What, that, does the free-to-air HD not come through the cable from Foxtel? How no, do we get the HD no. ca- channels from Foxtel? Their channels. They well, don't they, rebroadcast the, free-to-air no, well, in HD? No, but apparently because the... I think the free-to-air browsers won't pay for the extra bandwidth that, they, right. that costs Foxtel. Okay. And I think Foxtel, so they only charge it back at cost. Yeah. But they go, no, we're not going to pay that. You can have our standard definition. Right. But you can't have the HD. Yeah. So there you go. So Yeah. Look, to, it took to, me about a week to figure that out too. I suddenly one day was searching, went, what, well, hang on a second, what am I doing watching these channels in SD? Mm. And what I went through then is made, I've made up my list of favourites. Right. So when I go to my TV guide on Foxtel, I go favourites and I've got, I've found the HD channel for everything there and I flick in and uh, in amongst that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Um have you got anything else on your list? I just want to say, too, that I wrote a uh, thing in Media Week about the Miss Fisher movie. Yes. Which opened pretty well in cinemas last weekend. It had over a million at the box office. They think it's a movie that's going to get good which word Which is a big mouth. deal for an Aussie production. That's a good, that's a good deal. Um, I really should have gone to Twitter first before I made my <laughs> definitive list of Australian TV series. Well, that you did been... say I might have missed some. Yeah, and I did. Uh and the ones I missed were Nowhere Boys and Dance Academy, two ABC kids series, and I'm really bad with kids shows. Did they shows. do movies? They made movies. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Someone said to me, what about Alvin Purple? And I said, yeah, I forgot about that. And then I went, no, 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 no. that was a movie first. Exactly. Then a TV series. Correct. So in actual fact, by my list now, Miss Fisher is now the 13th Ooh. Australian TV series to be made into a big screen movie after the TV series. Now, am I right in thinking most of those were pretty, weren't great, weren't really an improvement on the TV series? Well, let's, Am I thinking straight away of Kath and Kim? Yeah, well, look, let's put it this way. Most of them have struggled to turn a real profit. Okay. The ones that make the most money or are the most profitable are the ones that cost barely anything to make, and that's movies like Number 96 and Fat Pizza and Howzos, where you've got those characters, the stories about the characters, um, and people come to see those characters. So they don't spend much on the movie, but they make a mozza. Well, keep the feel of the low-budget TV series. Correct. Right. Correct. Where Kath and Kim maybe spent too much on the movie. Yeah. Right. See, the budget for Kath and Kim Dorella is a mystery. Um, but, you know, I re-watched it recently and right. I went, that's a big budget movie. They didn't, uh, you know, that that was not Was it in Europe thing. a lot They of filmed it? it at Positano, Italy. Oh. You know, they filmed it on location there. <laughs> 
And I, I re-watched it because a lot of people sort of talk about that as like the worst film. And I, and I actually think that we should re-look at that in a few years because I actually think there's a lot of really great things in that film. It's just, there's just, there's just a couple of moments where they just kind of step out of reality, where Dame Edna appears as a fairy godmother and hits a magic wand and you go, whoa, hang on, what's going on here now? What are we watching? This is like, you know, so there's a couple of, just a couple of moments in there that throw the tone of the film off. But most of it, I think, is ambitious and I think they spend the money well. But, uh, you know, it's certainly an improvement on Police Rescue, the movie, yeah. which might well have just been a 90-minute episode of the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, we're getting towards the end. I want to finish up with something I'm looking forward to. I want to hear about country music from you yes. in a second. But yep. can I tell you briefly about the BBC Showcase? Please do. Which I was lucky enough to get to this year. I've been before. Don't get there that often, but I got to go this year. So it's a it's an annual TV sort of it's – a, it's a big showcase for TV buyers. So yep. the BBC brings in TV buyers from all around the world. They get to preview BBC content, meet some of the makers, meet some of the talent and decide what they're going to buy. So it was, you know, lots of deals being done and uh, they have it up in Liverpool. It's been, oh, yeah. But it started, it was in Brighton for a long time, then it moved to Liverpool. There's chat that it will move back to London because built around that over the years, all the other big studios have said, look, all these buyers are in England for the BBC. We'll hold our own showcases around the same time. Yeah, so makes it's sense. It's turned into the London Screenings Week. Yeah. Lots of other stuff going on and it seems to be, Showcase, showcase might move back to London. Anyway, so that's for the future. But so this year I got to um, – Top Gear is often there. So Top Gear was there again this year. So I got to meet the uh, guys from Top Gear and chat to them. That was pretty exciting. I've, look, I've always been a fan of the format, even during the recent sort of not-so-good years. I still thought it was a pretty good show, so that was exciting. Jodie Whittaker was there wow. from uh, Doctor Who. yes. So that was great. Um, Mark Ronson turned up because they have sort of an, an evening, they have entertainment on a couple of the nights and uh, Mark Ronson turned up as the DJ at uh, one <laughs> of the events, so that was pretty impressive. They had a comedy session on one of the days. Um, two guests, Stephen Merchant was there to talk about his new series, The Offenders. Right. That sounds really, wow. really funny. They didn't have anything to show because um, – it, it used to be they'd always have footage to show, but now the TV market has got to the stage where there's so many co-productions and they're always looking for investors. They now fly the flag about shows that are either still being made or maybe not even in production yet. Wow. So that was one of those shows. So, so can we assume that the offenders with Stephen Marchant will be about him causing offence? Is um, that what he means by offender? No, I should know this. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think it is about... It's about people who look after kids who are offenders. Ah. Like sort of. Like minor yeah, offenders, like, delinquents. Yeah, delinquents. Right. I, I think it's a bit like that. Okay, interesting. So, yeah. So if I'm completely wrong, I apologise and we'll, we'll make it up next time. Um, <laughs> and Will Arnett was there of course, uh, as well too. He's in a new um, comedy called The First Team. I think it's about a soccer team that um, of kids that are put together. Yep. Uh, for, for for one of Britain's leagues, that looks pretty good too. There was a, a few dramas on uh, that they were talking about. Again, they didn't have any um, footage for all of these. Um, one is the North Water, the latest from Seesaw Films. Oh yeah, people who made uh, both seasons of Top of the Lake. Yep. 
that looks really good set up um, to, on the sort of, they said it's the furthest north a drama's ever been filmed. It was like up on the edge of the um, Arctic Circle. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, and they, I got to speak to a couple of the producers and they haven't even finished filming yet. So they've still got to go back and do some stuff, I think, when the weather warms a little bit because it yeah. was too cold to do everything what they wanted. A Suitable Boy sounds like another very impressive. That's a, a, it's and, an Andrew Davies adaption of the novel by Vikram Seth. Yeah, so I was going to say that no, that title is familiar. Yeah, yeah, so I really want to go and read that book now. Is that a massive book? It's uh, really thick, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I've realised. Yeah. I said I want to read it, then I saw the book and I go, mm, wow. No, it's massive. I'm going to have to make a commitment. You might need an audio book for that, James, and just... <laughs> make a commitment to get through that. But they had all the cast there, they had the director. It just looks really, a really interesting project. And so it's, it's interesting seeing these things so far out. Yeah. Because these, I'm not sure if we're going to see either of these this year even. No. You know, but they're big dramas that are going to be coming in the future. So, yeah, it was just uh, really exciting to get up there. You've made me think about two BBC dramas. First off, Call the Midwife, and there is the most hysterical send-up of Call the Midwife (laughs) on Michaelif's Mad as Hell this week. You know how he does those promos for fake ABC shows? (laughs) The call the midwife this week. Midwife this week was hilarious. And the other thing too is, if you've ever been a fan of EastEnders, it's their thirty fifth anniversary this week on UK TV, and they've got a week of cracker episodes where everyone's celebrating on a boat in the Thames that's about to go down. And every episode starts with people flailing about in the water, and then it goes seven hours earlier. So it's telling multiple storylines oh. in flashback and ambitious, good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, tell me about country music. So Ken Burns has made some incredible documentaries for PBS in America, The Civil War, The Vietnam War. He's considered one of their best documentary makers. This Saturday night on SBS, they begin country music. Ken Burns, you know, right back to the beginning, the start of country music in America. And I know there's a lot of country and <laughs> Western fans, of uh, music fans here in Australia. So, yeah, that will be one for them Who's to screening watch. That? SBS, SBS, Saturday, 7.30 or 8.30, and, of course, it'll be on SBS On Demand. So I think they showed Vietnam just last year. Didn't Pretty recently, right? yeah. I think that was the first screening. So yeah. Was, he's so prolific at uh, Ken Burns. Amazing. I had a look at his filmography and it's, whoa. He must have some setup in his. Um, he must have a really big production business behind a him. A team of researchers. Because there's a list of mm. two of the next three or four things he's working on as well. So wow. They must be sort of turning over this stuff all the time. Yeah. Incredible output. Um, one of the things I'm going to be looking forward to, and um, it's uh, Last Tango in Halifax. Yes. Another brand new series. S- another season. I see it was on the um, cover of Radio Times. Right. Just the other day. I can't wait to. Um, so not get all. That. I had a look at that cast picture too, and it looked to me like not all of the cast are back. Maybe not, one or not two sure. missing. I just hope we don't have to wait long to see it here. It's interesting because so. I just watched the first uh, episode of season two of The Heights. That great TV show they make in Perth for the ABC. Right. And the episode picks up season two picks up exactly where season one uh, finishes. 
Um, so it all seems exactly the same, but then there's just these really clever things they do in it where an actor hasn't returned to the role and they just go, oh, yeah, no, he's moved back to his house now. And it's just interesting the way they, here's a show with a huge gap in the production, right. running a story, picking up exactly where they left off, but making changes as they go and, you know. It, it looks like they've lost a couple of um, cast members there in the Heights, but really clever how they just uh, acknowledge it and then quickly keep moving. And I guess they'll do the same in Last Tango in Halifax. Yeah, so I think all the main characters are back. Uh, Derek Jacobi and Anne Reid, who are the couple. Right. Um, Sarah Lancashire and Nicola Walker. Right. They're sisters. Yeah. Oh. Stepsisters. 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 I sorry. think. Share one parent. I think. I've they? never seen the beginning of it. So <laughs> I watch episodes and I kind of guess where they, who they all right. are. And Timothy West is returning right. to the show, I think. I think they did a Christmas special last they? year. or They, they did a, a, maybe a two-part Christmas special and it was really well received and kind of said to people that, no, we want more. Now, Timothy West was the father in Gentleman Jack. Was I he? I think. Okay. Pretty sure he was very good in there. Right. Look, I'll be hanging out for more Gentleman Jack too, but I've yeah. got a feeling that mightn't be this year. No, I don't think that'll be this year. No. Oh. Okay, well, that's good. Now, anything else? Uh, no, I think I've and that's, done that's it good. all. We're done? Oh, that's yeah. good. All right. Look, great catching up with you again. Thanks, James. Again, there's plenty of stuff there for people to get into and I've got a bit of homework to do too. So um, we'll talk again soon. Thank you.